diversity, particularly gender diversity, drives innovation. We know to be an innovative organisation, you need to be able to understand and represent the views of your customers, the views of your employees, and that requires diversity. So if you want to drive innovation and again, business performance, diversity is incredibly important. Hi, I'm Kirsten O'Doherty, Non-Executive Director in Life Sciences. And I'm Michelle Bo-Samra, President of the Australasian College of Pharmacy. And you're listening to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast. Welcome to the Pharmacy Business and Career Network podcast, brought to you by the Pharmacy Guild of Australia. Focusing on pharmacy management and ownership, the PBCN podcast supports the improvement and growth of your business performance with insights and advice from a range of industry professionals. The PBCN podcast, supporting your journey every step of the way. International Women's Day is celebrated around the world as a day to recognise the social, economic, cultural and political achievements of women. It's a great opportunity to help accelerate gender equality and raise awareness and visibility of this cause. This year's International Women's Day theme, Choose to Challenge, is one that resonates closely with community pharmacy. We saw time and time again during 2020, the way our industry challenged itself to respond and lead and it's pharmacy's opportunity again to step up and challenge for a more inclusive world. In this episode, we welcome Kirsten O'Doherty to discuss some of the themes around International Women's Day. Kirsten originally qualified as a hospital pharmacist before joining the pharmaceutical industry, moving from clinical research and medical roles into commercial and senior leadership positions. She has extensive board and committee experience and was appointed to the Australian government's COVID-19 vaccine science and industry technical advisory group. We also welcome Michelle Bosamra. Michelle is a practicing pharmacist, management consultant and strategic director of Full Life Pharmacies with over 30 years experience in the industry. She currently holds the positions of president of the Australasian College of Pharmacy, PDL Queensland Local Advisory Committee member and is a director of the Full Life Foundation. Over the years, Michelle has had extensive experience with representation of the profession on a diverse range of committees, industry bodies, and within organisations, culminating in her involvement in the preparation for the fourth agreement negotiations, and currently as a Guild Pharmacy of the Year judge and AHPRA mentor. Let's begin by hearing from Kirsten O'Doherty. Hi, Kirsten. Thanks for joining us today. And I say today, but as this episode goes live, it is going to be International Women's Day. What have you got planned to mark the importance of the day? Well, for me, it's a day to really reflect on where we are as a society and to encourage others to continue the challenge for change. Like I've been lucky in my career over the last 30 odd years to actually see a lot of change, but there's still so much more that needs to be done. And International Women's Day is one of those days to really get people to come together and to think about what we've still got to do and really work to try and achieve that. Interestingly, this year, I'm actually going to be away on holidays. It will be interesting for me and I'll probably try and use social media to share a lot of my views. Last year, I was actually speaking at a lunch event on International Women's Day, um, but that was actually just before lockdown for COVID. And we ended up all together in one room, hugging each other. It's really funny looking back on that and thinking, that's only 12 months ago, and how much has changed in the last 12 months. 
Very good. Well, social media certainly does give us a channel to reach a lot of people with an important message very quickly. But before we jump in and discuss some of the themes around International Women's Day, it'd be great if you could firstly tell us a little bit about yourself and your career history and what you're involved with at the moment. Obviously, I'm a pharmacist. I did a pharmacy degree at Sydney Uni and then went on and did the postgraduate diploma for hospital pharmacy. And I worked as a hospital pharmacist for a number of years and then decided to get into the pharmaceutical industry. So initially in clinical research, I was a medical manager, and then I moved more into commercial roles, so sales, marketing. And then ultimately, over a number of years, I ended up at very senior leadership roles and I was vice president and general manager of ABSI um, from 2011. I actually retired uh, last year, which has been an interesting transition and I've moved into sort of non-executive director roles in life sciences. So I'm involved uh, in Neuro, which is the Medical Research Institute on the Governing Council, and I chair their strategy committee. I'm also involved uh, with ADNET, which is uh, Australia Dementia Network, and that's really encouraging dementia research across Australia. And I'm also a, a member of the COVID Vaccine Science and Industry Technical Advisory Group advising the government on the COVID vaccine. So it's a bit of everything at the moment, which is really interesting and a lot of um, change over the last couple of years. Well, for someone who's supposed to be retired, Kirsten, you are very busy, but it is important work. Now, one of the reasons that we have you on the show today is that, unfortunately, we see gender inequality permeate across many areas of society, but it's often most obvious in the workplace where historically women are underrepresented at the higher levels of leadership and management positions. I'm curious from your point of view, is this still the case? What does the landscape look like in 2021? Look, it's absolutely still an issue and I think that's what makes me so passionate about the area. We still see significant inequity for women in senior leadership. You know, we know across Australia only about 20% of CEOs are women um, over a third of boards and governing bodies don't have any women on their boards and only about a third of ASX 200 companies' uh, directors are women. So we, we certainly see that. Um, and from my experience in the pharma industry, which obviously, you know, was my career for many years, it, it was increasingly frustrating for me. And although the pharma industry actually is a little better than the general stats in Australia, you still see only about a third of CEOs in pharma being women and again only you know much lower numbers in senior leadership than men and given it's a heavily female dominant industry with about 60% of people um, in the industry being women that was really frustrating. Something I did do in recent years um, with a few colleagues was set up a group that we called PAGE, which was the Pharmaceutical Australia Gender Equity Group. And that was really with the goal to support improvement in gender equity by increasing the number of women in senior roles, um, improving career milestones and providing a better working environment. Um, and we really managed to achieve a lot in a few years and uh, we got over 23 companies involved. So I think the message that I would um, take from that is, you know, change can happen and if you get a lot of people working together, uh, you really can see significant um, impact occurring. 
Well, speaking of significant impact, we obviously just spoke about continued gender inequality, but there are definitely benefits to having equality. What are some of those benefits that the business world and society in general stand to gain from increasing representation of women across those key leadership roles? It's really obvious, and this is the thing that I also find frustrating. There's so much evidence to show just on really simple metrics like business performance. You know, companies are improving their performance in terms of uh, market value, in terms of profitability, etc. There's a lot of data that's been generated in Australia, in the US, to show that companies that have got really good performance in gender diversity outperform other companies that don't have that gender diversity. So there's a real driver in terms of economic profit and business performance, which is just really clear. So that's a very easy reason to to drive it. But also things like employee engagement. You know, we know that, for example, in pharma, 60% of the employees are women, but across all workplaces, you know, you've got a significant proportion of your employee base being women. And they are much more engaged in organisations where they can see women in leadership roles, women having um, good opportunities for career promotion and development. So it really drives engagement and retention um, of staff, which again, you know, is incredibly valuable uh, for organisations. And the other thing I think is that diversity, particularly gender diversity, drives innovation. We know to be an innovative organisation, you need to be able to understand and represent the views of your customers, the views of your employees, and that requires diversity. So if you want to drive innovation and, again, business performance, diversity is incredibly important. So there's some really strong business reasons, profitability, business performance, employee engagement, innovation, retention of talent, all of these things are supported by having very strong gender equity in senior leadership. It'd be hard to find a business, Kirsten, that wouldn't want to achieve those things, but to help try and get there and move to equality, the 2021 theme for International Women's Day is hashtag choose to challenge, what are some of the more important issues that you think need to be challenged at the moment? What are those things that we all need to be on the lookout and alert for to be able to challenge? I think there's some really simple things that need to be done. And the last 12 months has probably shown us more than any other year how important flexible work practices are. So flexible work practices um, allow people to balance career, home, elder care, you know, and life, study, a whole lot of other things. But we know that flexible work practices are particularly important in supporting um, gender equity and allowing women who often do bear the brunt of some of the early child care are able to manage both career and child care, etc. So flexible work, to me, number one, but any company that isn't managing flexible work well these days with the um, COVID environment we're operating in would also have had a very challenging time over the last 12 months. Parental leave is really important, having good policies for both both parents or all family members um, for good parental leave. And pay equity is the other thing. We still see women uh, being underpaid. We see female graduates being paid less than male graduates when they start. We see, you know, a significant um, pay gap 
not just in general, but also in like-for-like roles. And organisations really need to be looking at things like pay equity and doing reviews to ensure that that isn't happening in their business. So for me, it's flexible work practices, good parental leave and ensuring pay equity. Those things really support female participation um, and career development over the long term. Amazing chat and some great insights there. Thanks for joining us, Kirsten. It was great to hear from you, your journey, your views, and ultimately your advice on helping us achieve gender equality as we celebrate International Women's Day. Thank you. Michelle, welcome to the podcast. You've been working in the community pharmacy landscape for about 30 years now. You've owned your own pharmacy, you've represented the community pharmacy network through committees and board roles, and you've assisted many community pharmacies to help transform their own businesses. It sounds like a busy career pathway, but what has that pathway been through all of that? And it'd be great if you could maybe pick out a highlight or two for us as well. Sometimes it's felt more like a career trial rather than a career pathway, but I do thrive thrive on change and challenges. So pharmacy has been a great choice for me personally. Um, Daniel, reflecting back in preparation for today, I guess, um, yeah, I had done quite a bit in pharmacy, but I think it's important for your listeners to know that that wasn't the original plan. It it just evolved really out of pure passion and dedication. Um, I certainly wasn't the most gifted or focused student at uni, I can tell you that, but I've always had a deep desire to want to help others and I enjoy variety, which is why pharmacy suits me. I guess the message is that in pharmacy, doors will open and you can choose to walk through them or not. So if we rewind back 30 years uh, while I was at university, um, I was working in a community pharmacy a couple of days a week, mainly just to put theory into practice. I was initially looking towards a career in hospital pharmacy in the hope of working overseas in developing countries. But after a couple of hospital placements and then encouragement from some pharmacists I was working with, I chose the community pharmacy path. So the pharmacy I was working with um, as a student was part of a group, the Hinn Tobiano group, probably well known to a lot of Queenslanders. Um, I was offered a pre-reg or an intern position in one of their pharmacies, so I chose the Gold Coast. Shortly after registering, I was offered a management position in their pharmacy at Broadbeach and then partnership not long after that. Um, and... I became the managing partner there at Oasis Amcal Chemist and we later rebranded as a Terry White Chemist. And Daniel, when I think about those early years as a pharmacist, it reminds me how important mentors are and I and also how important it is to use your voice and how my path could have been very different if I didn't use mine. Uh, I remember clearly I was about halfway through my intern year and one of the founders of the group was making the rounds to his pharmacies as he, as he did on the Gold Coast. He dropped in, we had a brief chat, and then he said, let's go and grab a coffee. Clearly, my mind started racing, thinking I was about to be in trouble. But we sat down, and he asked if I was happy and if I was okay. And look, I was having one of those days, as you do in pharmacy. I was a bit off. I was a bit grumpy. I was stuck in the dispensary processing scripts when really all I wanted to do was be on the floor and be with the people. In my opinion, more the action was. And I remember thinking, God, is this it? Is this what's going what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my life, processing prescriptions. So in that moment, I decided to be absolutely honest. I told him how I was feeling and why. And he explained the reasons why what I was doing was necessary and part of the process to being a competent pharmacist, but also asked what I wanted for my future. And I told him I want to learn to be a manager. I want to get involved with the business side of things and that I want to be an owner one day. And he said, okay, let's work towards that then. 
And I remember just sitting there thinking, wow, I feel so much better. And that was actually easy. And I made a decision that day that I would continue to speak up and reach out. But it was also a good lesson for me for the future that as a leader, the importance of reaching out to your team and making sure they don't get lost in the system. And I think I'd, you know, try to practice that through my career with not just um, my team, but my mentees. So ownership was definitely a highlight of my career because for me at that time, there really was nothing quite like having the final say in how you want to run your business, how you want things to be. From the culture you want to create, to the standards you want to set, to the services you want to deliver, to your customers, to nurturing and mentoring your team members, and to seeing how your action or inaction actually does affect the KPIs you set for your business. But I also respect that's not for everyone and it was just my path. So, you know, ownership is definitely not all rainbows and lollipops all of the time. There are so many unpredictable, frustrating and very hard times also. So you need to want to do it. And I think it's important to mention here that this group consisted of about a dozen male owners and managers. And other than Mrs. Tobiano, I was actually the only female in the group. But without a doubt, a big reason for where I am today is due to my mentors in this group. It was a very progressive group with a focus on mastering the craft of pharmacy first and foremost, um, but with an impressive and collective business acumen focus. Um, a number of them were also involved in the industry at varying levels. So it was probably no surprise that early in my career, I started taking along to pharmacy events that the guys were attending. You know, even when they couldn't attend, I'd grab their invitation and attend on their behalf. Um, so I met lots of people in the industry, networked, and shortly after that, I started getting invited onto committees. And, you know, this really is where you notice there is an opportunity to have a say and make a real difference in your profession and for your business. Quoting Tim Logan, who I think quoted West Wing, decisions are made by those who show up. And I did exactly that. I just showed up and I kept showing up. And I began to see how decisions were made, how policy was developed, the impact this can have on pharmacy, the grassroots, and also on the profession and industry at large. And that if you're willing to put your hand up, you do have a say, and you really can have an influence and be the voice of your customers and colleagues. And that was important to me. So while I was managing my pharmacy, I became involved in a number of committees with the Guild and the AOPM and the PSA. I was then elected to the Queensland branch of the Guild and the AIPM National Board. And during that time, I became a strong advocate for increasing the business management program and skills into the pharmacy schools around Australia. Because so my pharmacy was always buzzing with undergrad students and interns. And although great clinically, I thought there was a real place for leadership and management skills. My mentors had provided this for me and I knew friends of mine weren't getting the same exposure. So I spent a number of years writing and delivering this course at the universities. This naturally led into mentorship of young pharmacists and future leaders of the industry. So just as I'd been mentored in my early years, I was mentoring and creating succession plans for those wanting to know more about leadership, ownership and governance. This is probably another highlight of my career, I think, because being able to nurture and support so many talented and gifted pharmacists, male and female, to follow their passion in whatever they chose, yeah, that was just a really special time for me. So to keep myself challenged, I then took up a position with the National Pharmacy Guild as a Guild Government Third Agreement Coordinator for Queensland, was it, which was essentially rolling out all elements of the Third Agreement to community pharmacy and with quality care as the major focus. And I guess a natural progression from that saw me become involved with preparation and training for the Fourth Agreement negotiations. So there were some very intense years there um, 
a lot of learning of new skills on the on the go while managing my own business and with all that comes with that but for me it was a very exciting time in 2006 i was ready for a change um a bit of a chronic health issue was taking its toll on me and i was really earning the life of a hermit so my husband and i bought a house on a hill with some acreage now west of brisbane we sold the pharmacy in time i came off boards and committees and settled, settled into a less chaotic lifestyle I remember quite a number of people actually during this time being quite shocked at my decision to, to sell up and take a slower pace. It, it, it wasn't their plan for me. Um, I was on this trajectory in the industry and, you know, they would want to see more. And, um, yeah, it was really quite an interesting time. But I have to be quite clear, it was my plan, my life, my decision. So, again, not sort of buying into the expectations um, of, of the industry or of people. And then during this time, I had a great time. I travelled, ramped up my consulting business, did more corporate work, you know, marketing and merchandise manager for a pharmacy group, consulted for JR, now Pitcher Partners, became involved with PDL, did some things outside of the industry and started consulting for the Full Life Pharmacy Group. And I still work with them 10 years later. And Daniel, it's really interesting. My career path eventually led me to what I wanted to do as a student, and that was primarily to work in international development. And now I'm a director of the Full Life Foundation, where we have a focus of women and children in Ethiopia. You speak about ownership and how it was great for you, but it's not for everybody. And then putting opportunities in front of people and helping them make the right choices. Because Michelle, the statistics show us that close to 80% of pharmacy graduates are in fact female and almost 70% of registered pharmacists are female. However, only 33% are currently pharmacy owners. Also, the percentage of females represented on pharmacy councils and committees and boards, it's similar. It's around about the 33% mark. Now, I know it's a big and it's a complex issue, so it can be hard to, to distill it here in, in one show. But what's your take on maybe the disparity between the percentage of females in community pharmacy and those in ownership roles and involvement in councils and, and committees and boards in community pharmacy? Yes, thanks for that, Daniel. Um, definitely a complex issue. And I don't have the answers. I, I can only speak from my personal experience and just from chatting with women and men over the years when this concern has been raised. I think the real question we need to ask here revolves around the why. Why do we hold ownership and leadership positions at the board and committee levels as the benchmarks for what should be aspired to, for both men and women for that matter? And what are the reasons behind these statistics? Is it because there is no opportunity for ownership and leadership roles for women in pharmacy? Or is it because women aren't seeking these roles? I think the narrative around these needs to change so we don't get so caught up in the numbers. You know, women are achieving great things in the industry in all areas of practice, whether that be in community or hospital, industry, academia, government, and specialty practice in governance, in leadership roles, and sometimes not. And many other women I've spoken to over the years just want to get in, do their work as a pharmacist, and go home to their life that doesn't evolve around work and their career path. And that's absolutely fine. So I don't think that we should feed into the narrative that the measure of success and accomplishment is only through ownership and board roles. Women and anyone for that matter should have the right to choose what they want to do with their lives without judgment or question. And I feel that due, it really comes down to societal expectations. The problem with the discussion around gender is that it dictates how we should be rather than recognising who we are and what we want as an individual. 
So for those wanting to pursue a career in ownership and leadership, I acknowledge that, they, that in other industries, this is a huge problem, but I don't think that is the case necessarily in the pharmacy industry. I just don't think the barriers are there that they have, like they have been in the past. There really is so much support out there and at all levels in most organisations. You know, pharmacists are really kind people. If you put your hand up, they're always ready to help. You can also find mentors on the Guild website and just through networking. So there really is an abundance of support and just not at women and pharmacy functions, at all functions. Throughout my career, I can honestly say that my gender has never crossed my mind when deciding what I want to do. My thoughts generally revolved around what do I need to do to get into that position? Like what skill sets do I have? Where are my gaps? What can I do to upskill? Do I actually want to work with these people? You know, what's the culture of the organisation? So I've always taken ownership from my direction, not leaving leaving it to the factors out of my control. And I think a lot of women and men do feel this way in the industry who have achieved what they wanted um, and where they want to be. This is usually the general conversation. They simply don't have time to play the games that get involved in the politics or really care what others think. To be quite honest, they just get on with it. And that's where you need to start. Start with yourself. What do you want to do? You know, the rest will just follow. It's great that you think that the same barriers to ownership and management aren't there that they may have been in years gone past. But for those that feel that maybe those barriers still are there, are there things that we can help to smooth the path for those people, so to speak, or or maybe get them to see the world a little bit differently and, and encourage and facilitate more female pharmacy owners, both maybe from an industry and organisational perspective, as well as, as you said before, how individuals have that perspective on the pathway to ownership and management? If ownership is what you're interested in, there's already an abundance of support in the industry and tools at hand. Just reach out to your local branch of the Guild, many organisations, the right organisations. They've done the work already and they're looking for the right people with the right skill sets to join them. They're already reaching out. Many industry bodies also provide like extensive training and courses and workshops. It doesn't matter what level you're at, you know, there's something out there to start you on the process. If you've been managing already and you feel comfortable in running a business, but you're less confident in where to actually start when it comes to buying a pharmacy and all the legislation and, you know, around that, there's people that can do that. You know, the accountants, the brokers, the pharmacy brands, your mentors will guide you through that process just the network. I, I can't say it enough. Go to events, conferences, functions, get to know people, build relationships and, and continue networking and meeting new people throughout your career. Um, they will help you get there. That will help smooth out the path definitely. And so from an individual perspective, you need to put your hand up as well and reach out if you need help, if you're interested. But as far as preparation goes, put in the work, learn, study, develop and refine skills. Focus on your own personal development. Business and leadership at, you know, this organisational level is not necessarily faint-hearted. There will be many ups and downs, many and ongoing challenges. It really never stops. But there's also, it's fun and there's many rewards. And support really is the key. You don't need a lot. You just need a few people you can turn to when you need them, whether it's a confidant, a sounding board, someone for emotional support, if you have children, someone to call on as a backup. Surround yourself with good people and people with integrity and people who will advocate for you if needed. And just be true to yourself without the weight of gender expectations, be your individual self. 
As I said before, you mentioned that ownership and management isn't for everyone, but if women feel it is right for them and it's a pathway that they want to explore, Michelle, old crystal ball time. What does the future look like for those females in our industry? And why would you encourage them to make community pharmacy their career choice? Well, pharmacy in general and community pharmacy specifically will continue to provide a myriad of opportunities for females. It really is a fantastic career choice. It comes down to what you want from the profession. Um, Yeah, what do you want? What do you want to do? When do you want to do it? Do you want to focus on your career first? Do you want to focus on your relationships or your family first? Do you want to do it all at the same time? But remembering maybe you you can have it all, but just maybe not at the same time because something will be sacrificed. But if you're okay with that, then all the power to you. Don't let anyone judge you on that. And if you want to change direction, um, that's the beauty of pharmacy. There are so many paths or trails you can take. Just don't subscribe to the need to follow the typical and well-worn path laid ahead or the standard career path of a pharmacist. So, you know, it's your life. The choice is ultimately yours. But I think the theme, what's important is the theme for International Women's Day, Daniel, is choose to challenge. And... I guess as pharmacists and and an industry that really does have a strong platform in communicating to the members of the public on important things, my challenge to the listeners is to do something for women who don't have the opportunities we do. No, we really can raise awareness and maybe this year and not just International Women's Day, let's focus on women who really don't have equality due to no choice of their own but purely because of where they were born. Now, through my work with the Full Life Foundation, I see women who don't have rights, who die needlessly during childbirth, who are victims of fistulas, which condemn women to a lifetime of incapacity and degradation, who walk for 10 k's every day, many times a day while pregnant, carrying up to 30 litres of water, because traditionally that is their role. There are still so many countries without the rights that we have here today in Australia. And closer to home, you know, deaths due to domestic violence are just unacceptable. What can we do to raise awareness there through pharmacy? What role can we play in the homelessness of individuals in Australia? How can we ensure that for women specifically that they have access to feminine hygiene products and healthcare? And as health professionals, what can we do to raise the health literacy of women and men you know, around periods, endometriosis, polycystic ovary to ensure women aren't suffering in silence because that's just part of being a woman? So let's shift the focus from ourselves and as health professionals, let's assist women to be empowered to make informed decisions about their own health wherever they are born. You spoke about thinking of what you want from your life and careers and giving advice to people about thinking about what they want from community pharmacy. To have a bit of a plan about what makes them happy and where they want to go, I'm reminded now of how you spoke about earlier your old boss had to grab a coffee and sit down and ask, are you happy? Are you okay? Before it prompted you into action to to verbalise and have a conversation with somebody about what you wanted to get out of your role and maybe where you wanted to go. How important is it these days that people, they really get on the front foot and take ownership of that rather than waiting for somebody else in a management position to come and ask? Absolutely. And I'm so glad that I learned that so early on. And I think that that is part of the problem. I I think we're waiting for the permission. Um, we're waiting for our turn. Uh, and let's face it, you know, people have busy lives. They're, they've got a million things on their, on their plate. So, for example, if the owner of the pharmacy that you're in um, hasn't approached you, it's probably not because he or she hasn't thought of you. It's that it's, there's just so many things that, that they have to do. So put your hand up. You know, start with 
um, just I think we can do, we should do a, a category here on, you know, I, let's become an IVF specialist. Can I run with that? Show initiative, help build categories within your pharmacy, whatever they may be, wherever your passion lies, whatever your patients need, bring it to the manager or the owner and just keep asking for those opportunities to do things. And then when you feel you're ready or coming up to when you are ready, just put your hand up. So do you think there's some opportunities here for me to manage? What do I need to do? Are there, is there a potential for partnership here? What do I need to do? Can you, you know, keep, keep, keep your, um, remember me if you're thinking, if you want a succession plan, I'd, I'd be really interested. And if that business doesn't have those opportunities, go elsewhere. It's great advice because as managers, people are looking for staff to show initiative. And this is a, a great way to really put your, your best foot forward and show that you have initiative and you have engagement and you have ideas and passion around what's happening in the business. Now, Michelle, I asked Kirsten the same question earlier. So finally for you, what will you be doing to celebrate International Women's Day this year? Daniel, I'll actually be attending my very first women's breakfast ever. So I've got some um, great friends, both men and women, um, and mainly to listen to the inspiring Karen Brown um, speaking at a guild function up here in Queensland. And then it's a day in the pharmacy for me. Excellent, excellent. Now, Michelle Bosamra, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your perspectives and advice on females in community pharmacy as we celebrate International Women's Day. Thanks, Daniel. What a fabulous discussion to mark International Women's Day 2021. As we heard from our speakers, we have come a long way in our industry, but there are still many challenges ahead. A challenged world is an alert world. Individually, we're all responsible for our own thoughts and actions all day, every day. We can all choose to challenge and call out gender bias and inequality. We can all choose to seek out and celebrate women's achievements collectively we can all help create an inclusive world from challenge comes change so i encourage you to choose to challenge you can get involved by following the guild's social media channels to see how community pharmacies are celebrating women's achievements this international women's day i've been your host daniel oyston and you've been listening to episode 69 of the pbcn podcast the pbcn podcast supporting your journey every step of the way for more resources, to access support or advice, or to view this episode's show notes, visit guild.org.au.